Want to do a drop? Let's do it. Bong bing. I'll just I'll just sing the tune, the the opening, the music this time. Great. <laughs> let's do it. Let's hear it. Um, I already did the first two notes. Bong bing. Bong bing. Bong bing. Bong bing. Bong bing. What's up, man? Well, first of all, welcome to the well. I feel like I'm welcoming now. It feels like I'm welcoming you to the well. Like this is my show now. Welcome to the well, Anson. Welcome to the well, Brandon. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. How's Toronto? Toronto is good. It's uh, first real day of spring today. It's like sixty and sunny. Uh, mm. We took the dogs and the baby to the park and it was fantastic feels like we've been in a cave especially after covid uh but yeah it's just beautiful outside and enjoying uh enjoying the weekend beautiful nice and how are you i'm i'm good you know the honest answer is tired very tired no reason i just like i, I was up late and i got up early for no reason and uh now here i am it's one in the afternoon and I'm like nodding off. <laughs> so tired. <laughs> I got up. I got up with a lot of energy. So I like did a lot of things and like shot out of a cannon this morning. And now it's like one. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm tired. But, um, but I, I promise to rally and be a very energetic host. Okay, co-host. Um, well, what's new? Uh how was your sleep, by the way? <laughs> Much better. The baby is now starting to sleep through the night. She's been sleeping uh, around 13 hours at a stretch. Uh, although there are nights that, you know, obviously that doesn't happen. But um, yeah, doing doing well. Everything that is not shooting is baby or dog related. Uh, so, you know, it's <laughs> getting up early taking care of things, getting the day going, trying to find enough time for myself to exercise and be sane. What have you had time to, or how have you had time to read or watch anything given your schedule? Yeah, not, not too much really. Um, so this episode is just going to be me. <laughs> it, may, it may very well be. <laughs> Cause I've had, I have, I've had some time. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have a baby, so I, I have more time than you do. Well, I mean, I, as I recall, we were going to do this is a special emergency episode because you uh, saw something that uh, required attention. Oh, gosh, does it? Well, I know I just texted the other night because I mean, I had a really busy couple of weeks, but really good. Just just like very full days doing lots and lots of things. And then Thursday, I decided to like, I just need to like turn my brain off completely what's the dumbest thing i can find on amazon prime video so um, at first i was actually looking for a russ myers film because i thought that's about the speed i need right now <laughs> but the only russ myers film on amazon was beyond the valley of the dolls and i'd already seen that so i'm like oh, is there another one i haven't seen and so but because i had typed that in it was serving me up sort of like stuff you know and i saw this and you know it's the the little icon the little poster you know with all the other movies that are up there and i see like three women and sticking out the top of a convertible 
car. Oh no, out of the sunroof of a car. And it's some sort of zany, you know, comic image. And it all I read was uh girlfriends versus gangsters. And I thought, that's dumb. And just like boom, hit play. <laughs> and start watching. And I figure out pretty quickly, like, oh, this is a Chinese movie, but instead of uh it's a Chinese version of The Hangover. But instead of bachelors, they're bachelorettes. So it's three women and they wake up, you know, from a crazy night they don't remember. They're like chained to each other. So they're trying to figure out what's going on. And I'm starting to fast forward. I'm like, okay, I don't think I can actually watch this. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was just sort of like fast forwarding, like maybe something interesting will happen. I land on a scene. Um, they're kind of pushing their way through a very fake looking jungle. And I'm like, huh. and then suddenly out of, out of the leaves, out of nowhere comes mike tyson <laughs> and and i'm like what in china remembered in china and a, and a chinese language production chinese language film chinese everything and of course he's you know acting in english and the actresses will speak to him in english and you know like they're wearing like big banana leaves or whatever because they lost their clothes so the only thing they have to wear are mike tyson's uh boxing shorts because they're huge right <laughs> so they, they put on these huge shorts and I, I keep thinking, like, well, this is just a cameo. He'll be in it just for a second. And then I start, like, kind of fast-forwarding again. I'm like, oh, no. No, he's in this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Here he is here he is uh, uh, pat, helping them escape via uh, uh, rowing a boat with them all in it and stuff. There's a little <laughs> chase scene where he's rowing a boat. Um, he seemed to be having fun. I, I, interestingly, I've never seen Mike Tyson look that uh, relaxed and happy before. And... And then, so I'm watching this and I'm thinking like, and I kind of forget halfway through. I'm like, why, why did I pick this again? What, what, what is this? What am I watching? <laughs> so I hit the menu and go back to the button, go back to the main menu. And I see, uh, oh, this is gangsters versus girlfriends with Mike Tyson. Oh, why didn't I see that the first time? <laughs> and, he's, and he's actually driving the car in the poster down at the bottom of the frame, like the three girls sticking at the top. He was in the bottom right and his name right over. It. I just missed it. I hit, I hit that. I, I smashed that button so fast. I didn't even see, I didn't even know what I was getting into. <laughs> wow. He, his representatives actually negotiated his name into the title. Yeah. I've never seen that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess there, there, it was pitched obviously as the hangover. And if you're going to do a hangover knockoff, you got to have Mike Tyson and you might as well put him in your whole movie, you know, instead of just a little cameo where he does the Phil Collins drum fill. And, but, uh, yeah. And then I decided that my, I could really feel my brain starting to atrophy and die (laughs) one cell at a time. And I was like, I got to get out of this. So I like, uh, jump ship and aborted and put on uh the cohen's ethan cohen's Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> that was whiplash that was intellectual whiplash going from one of those to the other have you seen it uh, no i didn't think so it's 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 good i mean as you would imagine um it's god the fo- the photography is just really beautiful really really beautiful and of course the acting it's pretty good too, and the writing, eh? Mm. I guess, I guess. Like, I can't believe how quickly they produced a book out of that movie. I mean, it was like I looked it up and like, wow, they've already turned this into a book. <laughs> Have you uh, read Ethan Cohen's review of Joel Cohen's Macbeth? No. 
You uh, haven't? No. <laughs> oh, good uh, Lord. Hold on. Let me pull did this I confuse up. Confuse them. Which one directed it? I, I, I'm probably confusing Joel. Joel Joel's 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 the the director. Ethan's a writer, and obviously Macbeth has already been written. So he had some things to say about mm. this movie that he was not involved in. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Here we go. I'm just going to read to you. Um, I'm just going to read to you the top of this so you get an idea of where this is going. Um, here we go. In the tragedy of Macbeth, longtime Hollywood presence Joel Cohen, who has 18 prior films to his credit, takes sole creative control of a project for the first time. The result, not unlike the tale of Macbeth itself, is a tragedy of epic proportions. <laughs> in the interest of full dis- in the interest of full disclosure, my editor has requested that I mention that I was Mr. Cohen's writing partner, producer, and creative collaborator on the aforementioned 18 films. I am also his brother. We we parted ways prior to Macbeth in a split that the press described as completely amicable. Despite my prior association with Mr. Cohen, I feel that I'm entirely capable of reviewing his work in a fair and objective way. <laughs> Macbeth is Joel Cohen's shittiest movie by several billion light years. <laughs> if all the elephants in all the world crapped into the same canyon for 100 years, you would still not have a pile of shit half as large as Joel Cohen's dumb as a dog dick rendering of this classic tale. <laughs> One can't watch Macbeth without getting the sense that something is missing. Some inspired element that gave Mr. Cohen's earlier work an aura of ebullient genius is absent this time. The wit, the verve, the undeniable rugged machismo that characterized the other 18 films in which he happened to be involved were nowhere to be found here. Ultimately, one must conclude that what's lacking is talent itself. <laughs> and then it just goes on and on. And one paragraph is simply fucking moron. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't know how I missed that. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Brother humor. Um, have you read Octavia Butler? No, I haven't. No, and that's finished, really missing on my bookshelf. Yeah, I just finished Wild Seed. It's great. Yeah, I've never. It's interesting that it's classified as uh, science fiction because uh, I mean, a lot's already been said. That's obviously allegories for things like slavery and eugenics and right. things like that. But I had never seen. You know, when you re, when you hear sci-fi, you think well, you think future and you think technology usually, but this is all in the past. And the technology is biology, mm. which is really, you kind of, it was a real head twister to think about it that way. Biology is the technology with all the attendant uh, difficulties of managing the power and the ethics of it, you know, who gets to wield the power of biology and stuff. It's, it's, I've never, it's such a, it's such a, <laughs> I want to say fresh idea. It is. And it was in 1980. It's just taking me that long <laughs> to catch up. <laughs> So fresh to me. And then she's and it's part of the patternist series. I think there's four, at least four more novels in that series. So that's my book recommendation. Um, and for TV, I know you're short on time. Uh, I have you heard anything about Severance? No. Hello. 
My name is Mark S. And I have, of my own free accord, elected to undergo the procedure known as severance. It's on Apple TV, created by Dan Erickson, and the series one of the one of the series directors is uh, Ben Stiller, and uh, stars John Turturro, Christopher Walken's in it. It's the most well constructed thing I've seen on TV. It's a, it's 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 impressive. Hmm. I mean the the cinematography, the production design. It's a it's kind of a slightly dystopian sci fi concept. But it feels very contemporary, and basically, uh, it's a company that will that to work there severs your sort of severs your memory in half, so that you become two people. There's the one that works there at this facility, this mysterious place, and then the one that lives your Audi that lives outside of all that. So you don't remember. When you're at home, you don't remember your work life. When you're at work, you don't know your home life. So you kind of splits people into two, and it has so it has a Lynchian kind of identity uh, doppelganger kind of thing going on. It's very tense. It's very creepy. Let me guess. Somebody but, starts to remember something. Um, barely. They haven't touched it. We're four episodes in, and they'll they'll do that. They haven't gotten to it yet. But uh-huh. it's more like they confront their. Their Audis, they start feeling like their Audis are plotting against them. So it's like this weird. Huh. It's the same. It's the same body. It's the same person, but they've turned against one another. Huh. Oh, that's interesting. I'm just. I've just been really, really knocked out by the formal filmmaking aspects of it. The. It's just so well made. I'm just. I'm, I'm pretty stunned by it. With a, just the credit sequence alone. I could imagine being projected in like in MoMA, you know, in those little looping theaters. It's a beautiful, a beautiful credit sequence. And what what network is that? Apple TV. Oh, okay. I'll check that out. I actually have a book recommendation. Um, mm-hmm. I read recently *The Sparrow* by Mary Doria. Excuse me, Mary Doria Russell. I had uh, put out on Twitter that I was looking for a good sci-fi book uh, that <laughs> didn't treat the future. Like it was uh, sort of Game and Thrones, Game Game and Game of Thrones in space. Because uh, mm-hmm. I'm getting so tired of that. And somebody recommended this. Uh, thank you, whoever you are. Uh, and it's it's really interesting. It's uh, it's a first contact story uh, from the point of view of a group of Jesuits who decide to take it upon themselves after there is contact to go make in person contact and. Uh, I, I, for some reason, I'm I'm always taken where uh, uh, science and religion bump up against each other, mm-hmm. and this does it very very well. So yeah, the Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell. Have you seen um, Raised by Wolves? I, you know, I got about halfway through the first season, and we got distracted by other things. Um, I, I I didn't have really any big problems with it uh it just i guess that that switch that eventually gets hit that you have to see the next episode never really happened for us i i agree it's beautiful and you can tell they're you know taking on some big big ideas big meaty stuff and when you said you know sci-fi and religion bumping against each other that's what you know largely that whole thing seems to be about but yeah i agree with you it didn't quite I'm impressed, but I never quite got, I never got the hook in me. 
I think it's a really good uh, the 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 uh, lead the lead actress in it is very interesting. Mm-hmm. But I do want to share with you something. I sent you an email. Okay. Okay. I have singing cactus is okay. a linky that you sent me. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to hit mm-hmm. it? Um, one moment. I'll introduce it. So okay. this is transitioning over to Harper's. I was alerted to this by one of those little Harper's sides. Uh, called Cutting Lines, from the lyrics of a song sung in Polish by a plush dancing cactus. The toy is marketed as an educational tool for children and was sold on walmart.com until it was withdrawn in November. Now, I sent you a link to this dancing cactus singing a song in Polish. You can just play just, you know, 30 seconds of it and you get the idea. Okay, let me, I'm hitting it right now. Okay. It's, cat- it's 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 catchy, right? Yeah, it's a it's a cute little dancing cactus toy. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was made in China, and they they put all these different songs, and somebody just grabbed a bunch of songs and threw them onto this thing, and everything was going fine, I guess. Until this Polish mother bought one, walmart.com, and listened to it. And what that cute cactus is singing is the following. (laughs) The only thing in my head is five grams of cocaine. (laughs) Fly away alone to the edge of oblivion. I have thoughts in my head. When will this all end? (laughs) <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so this this Polish this Polish grandmother was like, "What?" <laughs> so I dug around a little bit and found that it was, um, like I said, this Chinese company that it was actually it's a Polish rap artist. It's his song, and I guess I don't know some Chinese company just grabbed a bunch of different language songs that they liked the sound of and threw them onto this dancing cactus toy. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody checked. I, I doubt that that was anyone's intention. I doubt they were like, oh, this would be a good trick. They, they don't know what they're saying. I'm, I'm sure the people, I know the people that made this had no idea what he was saying either. And no one bothered to check. So anyway, but you know, unless you're Polish, I mean, like nobody knows that song's about cocaine. <laughs> It's still catchy. Now, I don't know if you're in the mood for this. Wait a minute. I sent you something else. Yeah. This it says Sterling Hayden. Why do I know that name? Oh, oh, that's right. I almost forgot about this. Um, he's uh, an actor. He was. Uh, oh, right, this is this leads to a question for you. Right. Uh, he was General Jack Ripper and Dr. Strangelove. Oh, Okay. The one, you know, who goes on about purity of essence and all our precious bodily fluids. <laughs> right. Uh, I guess the story I've told more often than any is uh, when I worked with the Kubrick and Strangelove. And Lord knows uh, it was a magnificent picture. We all know that. And apparently I pulled my weight in it. But I went through the worst day of my life the first day on that picture because I began to blow in my, in my lines. And I went 48 takes at Shepard and Studio. And uh, I had the cigar and all the dialogue, the military jargon, you know, and I'm beginning to blow, blow, and blow. And something said to me, 
Sure, I've had trouble before, you know, talking about eight takes, ten takes, twelve takes, huh? But now we're getting up into twenty, huh? And now we're doing, as you know, what are called pickups. And I can't even do one damn line, huh? And I'm pouring sweat, and they're mopping me off. <laughs> now, a beautiful thing happened, speaking of Stanley Kubrick. I finally got up. I couldn't take it anymore. And I walked up to him and I said, Stanley, I apologize to you. And he said this to me. One of the loveliest things any man has ever said to me in my life. He said, Sterling, I know you can't help what's going on. And you know I can't help you. He said, but the terror in your eyes, on your face, may just be the quality. And now he said, look, he said, the quality that we want in this jackass general Jack Ripper. He said, if it is not, come back in another couple of months and we'll do it all over again. Huh? Now, that was lovely, wasn't it? I'll never forget that. Huh? And I came back, I went out with Kitty uh, across from Brown's Hotel there and uh, had, uh, I don't know, maybe what, uh, two or three double shots of Black Label and went back and no part of part of huh? It worked out. Oh, my God. We are such masochists, actors. <laughs> <laughs> so after, first of all, after seeing that, after hearing that interview, I can't watch that scene again the same way. Right. You know, I played it for you because I'm wondering, have you ever had, like, what's your most, what's your worst day? Oh, man. <laughs> That's an actor. My worst day. Oh, that is. Oh, well, it didn't, it, uh, you know, it didn't, it, it, my worst day, first of all, my, my worst day is probably easier than any cruise. Um, you know, it's easier than any cruise easiest day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess it would have to do with other misbehaving actors. Oh. Uh, yeah. That that's never that's never fun when adults begin to act like children and uh, you kind of have to figure out a way a way through it. Uh, collaboration. I was told in graduate school that the hardest thing about what we do is and always will be collaboration, and uh, that continues to be such a huge part of um, of the craft. Uh, and the best, sometimes, usually the best part of the craft, but sometimes it can be the most difficult. I thought you were going to tell the story about um, Boiler Room. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that was, that was pretty bad. That was actually my first day with a speaking role on a set. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, so I have the... Uh, maybe my first film credit is boiler room and I have like one line in it and <laughs> I can tell you, I can still tell you my line to this day. I'm, I'm sure you'll never forget it now. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Let me see if I can do it. What do you mean you're doing by stock over the phone? How do you do it? Smoke signals, telepathy, Mr. Benelli, world leaders, uh, solve problems over the phone. Tell you what, I'll mail you an A by 10 glossy, my face so that you'll better, feel better the next time we speak. Now, the reason that I remember that line, is because uh, I I was not that experienced yet. I was experienced on stage, but I wasn't that experienced in front of the camera. And I felt like I had that line, you know, I have, I had the line, I knew it going in, but I wasn't used to acting with adrenaline flowing to, I mean, my Mm. adrenaline was pumping, 
you know, all I could see, I would look at that camera and all I'd see was hundred dollar bills flying out of the top of it. Like they're spending, <laughs> it's such a huge machine. They're spending so much money and it's a wonder that the, the, the director set up. It's not like cutting to me and I get to repeat my line over and over again until I get it right. It starts on the outside of the boiler room. It comes in and it goes to one actor. He delivers his line. It goes to another actor. He delivers his line. It floats over to another actor. He delivers his line. It floats to me. I deliver my line and then it floats to Vin Diesel who has the cap. The capper on the on the scene, right? Or at least on that take. And so um, I'm just, I'm ready, I think. And the camera comes in and it goes to one actor, it goes to the other actor, it goes to the third actor, it comes to me. And I say, what do you mean you should have a gun? Cut. Sorry, 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 sorry. Let's back the camera up. Take two. Floats in, it goes to one actor, it goes to the other actor, it goes to the third actor, it floats over to me. What do you mean you don't buy suck over the phone? How do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it wasn't in the muscle memory of my mouth. It was just in my head. And finally, the, the, the director comes over to me and he says, you know what you can do? You can just actually you can write your line down on a piece of paper and just have it on the desk in front of you. And you can just be looking at the piece of paper. So this, and then that's what you see in the film is, is me looking down because it's, I had to write down my line on a piece of paper because I was an <laughs> idiot, unprepared, juvenile, bad, poorly prepared actor. Um, and that was my introduction to film and TV. So that, uh, there you have it. And everybody was so patient, including Vin, oh. including Vin Diesel, who I, I sure thinks I'm an idiot to this day. I can't imagine how awful that must have felt because like you, when you said it's, you know, your worst day is not as bad as the worst day of a crew member. The difference, you know, having been a crew member is that it tends to be kind of shared responsibility and it can be grueling. It can be very, very hard work and it can be thankless. But I, you know, I, I do feel for uh, performers when after everything's been set up and it's set up for you, this is all mm. for you. <laughs> yeah. And then it just moment. gets, and then it just gets worse. <laughs> Right. Cause your head gets involved and you're like, Oh my God, I'm letting people down. Yeah. And then, so you're, so that, that part of your brain is then distracted. Right. So it just, it just snow, it's a snowball effect. Um, but fortunately, eventually, if you stick with it long enough, you get to that glorious place where you don't give as much of a shit. <laughs> it's weird. You have to give, you have to really give a shit and not give a shit at the same time. That's and that and that is your masterclass. Yeah, I guess acting. So. That's going to be that's going to yeah. be your entire masterclass. Give a shit, but not give a shit. I should, I should patent that. Do we have time for a a little play? I sent you a script. Yeah, what is this? Uh, you sure you want from, me to do this now? <laughs> yes. Well, can you read? I'm not I even asking you to remember anything. Okay. Um, what is this? Okay. Well, I'll do the intro, and uh, and you will be. Uh, Carol off who's the reporter. Okay. Okay. And I will perform that's my ability. Uh, Jim Puckett. So <clears throat> campaign foul from an interview with Jim Puckett, the mayor of Fitzgerald, Georgia, that was conducted in November by the CBC radio correspondent, Carol off Puckett lost his 2021 bid for reelection after spending almost $300,000 to build a 64 foot tall topiary chicken. <laughs> what? Yes. Well, that's good. This, <laughs> okay. This will hopefully explain it. <clears throat> I'm going to do my best okay. I can. All right. And scene. Mayor Puckett. 
The voters have spoken. Do you have any regrets about your giant chicken? <laughs> no, ma'am. None whatsoever. <laughs> My giant chicken has done exactly what I wanted it to do. <laughs> you spent $300,000 and you just got defeated. Why is it a success? Because we've been seen on the front page of the Wall Street Journal twice. I've been in newspapers across the country, from New York to San Francisco to China to India. We got a great little town, and this chicken has garnered us worldwide recognition. <laughs> now, the voters obviously don't see the importance of that. You may not like everything that I do, but you're never going to say I sat around and didn't do anything. Okay, so you mentioned the Wall Street Journal which said that this election campaign was a referendum on your chicken. And it turns out that you got 69 votes. <laughs> and that your opponent got six, and that your opponent got 95% of the votes cast. So a lot of people were quite unhappy with this project. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> with the city, with the city and the county, we're about 19,000. And there are definitely a lot of people who do not understand what I was trying to do. And I'm okay with that. I'm very, very proud. Okay, but this giant topiary chicken never got completed. It has no greenery on it. Tell us tell us what you thought your giant chicken would be. Hopefully, when they put the greenery on it, it's going to end up being the world's largest topiary chicken. And it's got an Airbnb in it that you'll be able to rent out. It will be up to the next administration to finish it. They're going to finish the chicken. We're $291,000 in. <laughs> but what you got is a giant rebar silhouette of a chicken, right? Correct. And nothing growing on it. Now, it does take a lot of work with gardening and trimming to get topiary to grow on something that large, does it not? I'm not going to say it doesn't take a lot of work. But once it's grown, the upkeep will be minimal. We'll have an irrigation system that waters it. it. It's not something that you're going to have to have your landscape crew come by once a week to maintain. But this is all new. And that's one reason for the problem we ran into. There's no consultant for a 64 foot, nine and a half ton steel chicken. It's it's a learning experience for all of us. But your local people, they're pretty critical. They said, who the hell needs a chicken in Fitzgerald? We need housing. The unfinished rooster rusty <laughs> the, the unfinished rooster rusty, they're calling it. They're calling it, they're calling for it to be demolished. What do you say to those people? Every time it makes a national article, I get calls from people saying, hey, I've got my credit card in my hand. I'm ready to book <laughs> that chicken right now. We want to come to Fitzgerald. I'm not kidding. But why a chicken? Oh, great question. <laughs> in, in Fitzgerald, we have these wild Burmese chickens that run around our town. In late 70s, the mm -hmm. U.S. Department of Agriculture did an experiment about 30 minutes from here with those wild Burmese chickens. I don't know all the details, but the wild Burmese chickens that they released somehow migrated to Fitzgerald, and they're all over town. You may go to a red light down on Main Street. This is no exaggeration. And a family of chickens may walk right in front of you across the street. The locals have a love-hate relationship with the chickens. Some think they're beautiful and gorgeous. Some can't stand them because they crow. And we actually have a city ordinance that you can't harm these chickens. Inevitably, sorry, inevitably, when I bring a prospect, one more time, inevitably, when I bring a prospect to Fitzgerald that wants to open up a manufacturing plant, one of the first questions we get is, hey, can we see the wild chickens? So I decided one day, you know what? 
we're going to build a wild chicken. <laughs> so this is a tribute to feral Burmese jungle fowl. Chickens. Chickens, yes. So you have the chicken almost built. What if the new mayor decides he's going to have the chicken put down? Oh, it would kill me. <laughs> and what, scene. what I love most is that he clearly has learned the, the, the lesson of politics always be on the offensive. <laughs> but the best he can come up with is you're not going to tell me I didn't try to build a chicken. <laughs> yeah, I know that. Because I, <laughs> I did. I did try to build a chicken. So don't you sit there and tell me I didn't. <laughs> you can't say that I did nothing. You certainly can't. You cannot say I did nothing. I did do half of something. And that, and that something was not needed or appreciated by anybody. That is so weird. Oh, man. Um, and that's And that's it. That's all I've got. All right. That cool. was fun. Oh wait a minute! I got one more. All right. This is this is this is shorter. This is uh, and I'll just read this one off. Uh, also from Harper's, uncool whip. This is very strange. From complaints submitted to the city of Reno, Nevada, last year. One night this summer, I was walking with my wife and two friends from out of town. We witnessed someone cracking a whip about twenty yards away. It was embarrassing. Now we have a running joke about people cracking whips being a thing in Reno. I felt safe until I experienced a man walking in my direction, cracking a whip. Whip cracking is not an average city noise. Whips sound like gunfire. The whips terrify my son. The whip crackers have taken over. They crack whips 24-7, often resulting in sonic booms, which in turn causes seizures, tinnitus, vertigo, nosebleeds, and other medical issues. They make our lives a living hell. I have not gotten a full night's sleep in two years. I was woken up today at 4 a.m. by a man with a whip. I can hear whipping as I type this at 2.21 p.m. Whips break both tree limbs and industrial lights. They cause neurological insults and injuries. Can we consider an ordinance prohibiting whip cracking? No good comes from allowing people to slap long pieces of leather on the sidewalk. And now we get to the last one who the, I'm, I'm suspecting is the party responsible. As a longtime whip maker, I am concerned <laughs> about the city of Reno's approach to a minor problem. Do whips have a negative history? Certainly, they have been used in manners that are considered abhorrent. They've also been useful. Whip cracking is therapeutic and relaxing. I could more easily harm another person with a two by four. <laughs> well, I tell you, Harper should be paying us. That is a very good point. Uh, I, I think if you're a longtime listener of these drop episodes and you like the content from Harper's, I highly recommend that you go get a subscription. Yeah. And when you do, be sure to mention this podcast sent you. Okay. Because it won't do you one bit of good, <laughs> but you'll love it. And that way you don't have to wait for me to read it to you. The Well is produced, recorded, and edited by Brandon Edgens and Anson Mount. 
theme music performed by Brandon Edgens based on a theme composed by Jonathan Meiberg. Have a good week, everybody. Can I stop recording?